0: Today's episode of the Strength Doc Podcast, hosted by UpDoc Media, is brought to you by The Arc from Verve. If you want to improve your posture, The Arc has you covered. Developed by a physical therapist, designed by an engineer, made in the USA, The Arc is going to improve your posture and relieve that neck and back pain once and for all. What is up, guys? Welcome to the brand new Strength Doc Podcast, hosted by UpDoc Media, with me, Dr. John Russell. I want to get one thing clear. This is not going to be your average fitness podcast, and I'm sure as hell not your run-of-the-mill strength coach. What's going on, guys? Dr. John Russin back with the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. Today, I'm joined by prolific fitness writer, Lee Boyce. Lee's a guy that is not only writing great content, but he's practicing what he's preaching, training clients in his gym up in Toronto, and doing amazing things on the written and spoken circuit. Lee and I are really cut from the same kind of cloth. We keep things unfiltered, uncut, and really just giving people content that they need to get better. There's a lot of BS when it comes to the fitness industry, and Lee's one of these guys that cuts through all that BS and really gets down to the facts and produces them and the type of content that is not only engaging to read, but also entertaining in the process. That's a rare thing these days. I had a lot of fun in this conversation, and I'm sure you're going to find a lot of value out of what was talked about. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Lee Boyce. What's going on, guys? Dr. John Russin back with the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media. Today, I have one of the best, most well-known fitness writers in the industry today. Lee Boyce is with us in the house. What's going on, Lee? How is it going, man? Not too bad. Good. I'm glad we finally got to connect here. I know we had some Skype trouble, but we got through that. We got through the technology BS and finally we were able to connect.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, like, it was good that we could bypass my illiteracy when it comes to all this Skype and and all this stuff. We're just on the phone here, which is good enough for me, man.
0: Yeah, I, I've been there before, dude. Uh My technology skills are definitely subpar, and I can't believe that we're able to get out a podcast that sounds halfway decent every week, to be honest. (laughs) That's
1: great. That's great.
0: (laughs) Now, I don't know if you know, but I figured out that we grew up very close together. I'm actually from the other side of the border uh, outside of Buffalo, New York, and I know you're up in Toronto. So we're only about 150 miles apart growing up here.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to school in Toronto. I grew up in Toronto. I lived in the West End, went to a couple of private schools and uh, finished off at a public school right in Etobicoke, Toronto, and um, then went to university in Toronto as well. So I've spent my entire life here in the city.
0: Oh, wow. And and that speaks a lot. I love Toronto. And I definitely went up there a lot uh, when I was in high school. And then when I was doing my doctorate up in Buffalo as well, we always used to catch those Jays games up in the dome. And we thought it was just the coolest thing going up there. Yeah, it's it's
1: a uh, it's a good community, and now that we actually have teams that are winning games, especially like the Raptors this last this past two seasons, and the uh, Blue Jays who are actually on a little bit of a streak right now, yeah. like there's it's creating a good community and a good atmosphere amongst a lot of sports fans, and it really changes the attitudes. I noticed that just the, the general culture of the of the community, which is really cool. But you got you gotta stop calling it Toronto and start calling it Torcondo because like they're <laughs> only building upwards and it's getting ridiculous and they can't catch up to the infrastructure of the place
0: <laughs> well the, the one thing uh, Toronto definitely has going for it as well is the drinking age being 19 so <laughs> that's why I was frequenting Toronto definitely when I was in my university days you know with the US having the 21
1: <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. I hear you I mean I we used you. to
0: go over the border every weekend like it was you know freaking Hawaii just like <laughs> ah yeah finally <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hear you never been a huge drinker myself but uh, you know I, I, I you can get down with a good Heineken or something like that every now and then
0: yeah I think everyone has their days you know especially around university (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) now speaking of drinking what are you guys drinking up there in Canada that you have so much good content flowing out of this country in the fitness and health industry
1: you know it's funny that you say that because like when I started I started training people in 2006 and when I started there was like nobody writing in Canada like I couldn't like I, listen, I didn't start reading anything proper and substantive until like late two thousand seven, early two thousand eight. But at that time, it was all Americans that I was those reading from, and even people from overseas, even. But um, there was no Canadian writers that I could find noteworthy or anything like that. And so it uh, it it made me wonder. And like then, since about two thousand and you know ten and onwards, there's a little blast of you know you have your Dean Somerset's and you have your uh, uh, well, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Gervitz was doing stuff. Mark Young was doing stuff, and there's a lot of people who are from you know Canada and even even in Toronto and Hamilton and whatnot who are really putting out content. So um, it was a little blast off, and it was good because you know I started writing myself in 2009 for any place major, and that was uh, like I was kind of the only one that I knew at the time, which right. you know, I felt alone.
0: <laughs> Man, I think you're forgetting uh, two big names. Uh, obviously. They weren't always in Canada, but our friend Christian and obviously TC as well.
1: Of course, to Christian Thibodeau, I have learned so much stuff from him. Couldn't I? Can't believe that I didn't even bring him up.
0: <laughs> you know, when I think of uh, Canada and I think of the industry, his name is the first one that always comes up in my mind. True, uh,
1: Charles is, Charles Poliquin's Canadian too, is right, he not?
0: Right, right, yeah. he is. Yeah. See, I we're, didn't we're digging TC down the rabbit was, hole. Here. I
1: didn't know TC was a Canadian.
0: Yeah, yeah, he. Uh, you know, I might be wrong on this, but I think he did his education in Michigan and then stayed in the US after. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, man, going back to Thibodeau, uh, you and Tibbs, man, you come out with more content than I want to say anybody else right now. And it just blows my mind, you know, Thibodeau writing every week on T Nation, it seems like, and you, you know, if you keep up on social media with Lee Boyce, it's like article after article. And some of these uh, resources I've never even heard of before, I'm like, holy shit. And then I get into them and I realize that that's good stuff.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I used to, I used to write for T Nation a lot more frequently, but uh, as the the snowball effect sort of started happening, I, I started spreading out and having, well, trying to have a little bit more mainstream reach with the places that I write for. And yeah. so T Nation turned into, you know, then there's the muscle mag, muscle and fitness, men's health, men's Fit, and all these other different main, mainstream magazines. And I thought, well, why not have some, solid solid content to put out in there as well and uh you know like a lot of a lot of magazines have a rep especially like you know newsstand magazines that have a reputation for not having good stuff in them you know and it's right. all fluffy content and it's like well you know it's going to take people to change that so why not get some good content in there and instead of being associated with a bad magazine why not have the magazine get associated with some good people you know, and so that's my uh, that was my sort of uh, outlook on it. And plus, it, I didn't I didn't see anything wrong with uh, trying to contribute to those places. So uh, on top of the T Nations, which I unfortunately I had to slow down with writing for exclusively, um, you know, I, I, I put out stuff in other places. Like uh, you know, I'm probably writing for like 15 spots right now.
0: Wow, wow, <laughs> 15.
1: Something like that. You know, it's 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 very close to that. If it's not that.
0: I hear what you're saying though on uh, the print magazines, especially getting that bad reputation, yeah. and I know just from uh, being a coach and a writer myself when I uh, get commissioned to write something for a print and I have eight hundred words and I'm used to putting out these you know three thousand word novels on teenage okay. or you know mus- uh muscle and strength, whatever it may be yeah i I almost get locked up where, man, I really have to come out with every sentence just being packed full of something. Yeah. And it's definitely a challenge in a different way. So you have to graze everything that you want, but you really can't dive deep like you can on some of the other resources.
1: It's a skill. It really is a skill that a lot of people sort of uh, downplay or, or uh, what's the word, discount. I was just involved in a conversation on my Facebook about this particular topic of, uh, you know, just what it takes to be somebody who writes and writes for different publications and whatnot. And a lot of times, like... I'll be in my circle of people who are actually around me in Toronto, like say the place that I work and whatnot. And, um, you know, some people who don't necessarily know, you know, who I am or what I do other than the fact that I happen to train people at the same place that they happen to train people, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll, uh, be like, Oh yeah, you know what? I saw an article of yours the other day when I was just like scouring <laughs> Google or something. And all of a sudden I see your face pop. Up. I was like, Holy man. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I always wanted to start writing as well, you know, like, so like, who did you, who did you, contact like what did you do can you send me the link (laughs) and i'm like well dude like do you really think that if i give you a blind introduction to an editor that they're gonna oh yeah no no problem yeah no problem man just uh throw together a good three thousand word article and we'll get it published on men's health tomorrow like (laughs) of course not you know and like it 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 is a little bit anger provoking when you hear somebody who sort of like thinks of it as something so light and easy to do, you know, like, Oh, if he can do it, I can do, it. like, it's right. not like that, you know, and even for a place that is known for fluffier stuff, like a big mainstream publication, it takes real skill and layers and layers of editing in order to get the message across the way they want it to become across. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of, uh, just knowing how to structure your sentences and knowing how to formulate your, your, your um, themes of the article and whatnot and make it succinct enough to fit into 400 words when you're giving a big, big uh, general overview of a, of a certain topic, right? Um, I find personally that Men's Health and um, Men's Fitness and Esquire and magazines like that are much more difficult for me to write for, even though the content is so simplistic in most cases, than T Nation. I can throw down a T Nation article no problem. Right. You know, but it's because you have, uh, you don't have any hold on the scientific reins in places like T Nation or (laughs) or Bodybuilding.com or um, you know even uh, Mountain Dog Diet, John Meadows' website. Shout out to John, by the way.
0: Yeah, (laughs) man, he's been getting a lot of attention on uh, our podcast here, and he's going to be a guest on it, but uh, (laughs) he hasn't made his way yet on it yet.
1: I hear you. The guy is just jacked, man. Like, yeah, he's like a square.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, going back to what you said, it's like, People just think that, oh, you know, all I got to do is just like sit down on my laptop, just like write some shit down and just send it to somebody. And obviously, I'm going to get it published. Yeah. We we mentor a lot of young, aspiring fitness coaches and writers. Yeah. And I really explain to people before I even take them on as clients that this is like a two and a half year process of doing the right stuff on a daily basis yeah. and really building up not only your brand, but also what you're doing in person. So you can't just be one of these guys that's just writing mind-blowing stuff if you've never trained anyone in your entire life. Exactly. You know, in this day and age, you could write the best article in the world, and even if it did get picked up, somebody's going to read it and it's as easy as Googling your name and figuring out what you're all about. And if you've only been training for three months out of a gold's gym that nobody's ever heard of, and you have no client base and you have no testimonials and you didn't train those 10,000 people, you know, what did that article really mean at the end of the day?
1: Exactly. You know, and, um, you know, it's just, it's funny because like on that topic of like, you know, being young or being novice when it comes to the entire training game, you know, it's, it's, it kind of bothers me, in to be as blunt as possible, it kind of bothers me when there's a lot of 20-somethings and people who are very new in the grand scheme of things to the industry. And I understand there's a blast of social media and there's different ways electronically to get your things across and get your products out or whatever. But, you know, I'm just seeing... Um, A lack of veteran presence, uh, that's the best way I could put it, in this industry that sorely, sorely needs it and can use it because it's already dominated by the youth and it's associated with young vibrancy, livelihood, et cetera. This is what fitness and health and training is really all about, right? And it's about reversing the aging process when it comes down to it. And uh, so a lot of the the ambassadors for that industry are going to be on the younger side. They're not going to be 40-plus or 50-plus, right? But the the veteran strength coaches who have influenced – Everything that I write, and everything that um, that a lot of my my friends or my colleagues and stuff, uh, they look up to these people who are you know into their fifties right now. You know the, the the Charles Staleys and the Paula Quins and the yeah. the Dan Johns and all the other people who are a little bit up there now. Like these are the people who they've written books and and this that and the third. And these are people who we need to really give more attention to in the industry. And so, like, I kind of always can't help but wonder what these guys who, when they wrote a book after their first 15 years in the industry or 20 years in the industry, and they finally come out with a book, what they think when they see somebody come out with, you know, article after article or, um, uh, a book of their own or an e-product or something like that, or, or do what's the other thing? Um, give seminars around the world and whatnot and start talking about <laughs> training and doing talks and lectures and workshops and stuff like that. And they're like 22 or 23, right. <laughs> you know, like I know personally that being 28 years old, which is what I am like, that's not something that should be happening every day. And I'm the first person to admit that I was given a shot, I was given a break, and, like, it was because somebody decided to take the time to give that shot that I even started doing what I'm doing. And uh, it's not, like, there's more experience that needed to be had, and I I could be the first person that can admit that, you know? And, uh, yeah, I just, I don't think that um, somebody who's too inexperienced should, should embark on that journey until they... You know they have the the prerequisites that are that are necessary. It doesn't necessarily mean certain papers or certain amount of this or that, but just like that intuition and that that firsthand in the trenches training experience, right. whether it's with themselves or with their clients or whatever, it's a very important thing. And, uh, yeah, like, the anomalies where where you do see, like, the Nate Greens and people like that who really did good stuff, like, there should be few and far between. And, uh, you know, lots of respect to those people to be able to get that sort of stuff out there so early. And it should be left at that where, you know, there are a couple of early bloomers who did their thing and... You know, they're building experience just like the rest of us, though, you know,
0: that's true. And me and you had a very similar uh, upbringing in this industry as I'm also 28 years old and I've really only been putting stuff out there the last 18, 24 months. And it wasn't because I didn't have the good ideas, you know, when I was 24 years old. It was because I was actually in training people, uh, seeing people from a physical therapy standpoint, and doing 60-hour weeks in the gym and in the clinic. And really just trying to figure out what my methodology was before I'm going to go out and talk about it. So, you know, there's a difference between academia and... Actually, writing for actionable content, so mm. I think that's the big thing that is disconnected. Everyone thinks that oh every twenty two year old that just graduated with their four year undergrad degree in exercise science can go through PubMed and like write an article about all these different research articles and you know have their input on it because they've trained six people in their life and that's just <laughs> not how it works um, not I think how it works it's very superficial, and you can definitely see those type of uh, articles and those type of Uh, content come through at the end of the day. And especially like those veterans that you're talking about, that's how you know you did something good, whether you put yourself out there publicly on the speaking circuit or even writing articles. If you have the respect of somebody that contacts you after that and they've been in the industry for 30 years and they respect the shit out of what you just did, that's how you know that you're on the right track.
1: Yeah, And, uh, you know, like as well, how how you phrased it there, they reach out to you. Whether whether or not you're you know been in the game for a couple of years or a couple of months or whatever, when people like that are reaching out to you for your content, it gives, exactly that speaks volumes, and it goes very well to know your place in the industry given the time that you work in it. So if you've been a vet, if you've been sorry not a vet, but if you're not a vet and you've been in the game for maybe like two years versus somebody who's been in the game for twenty two years or twelve years or whatever, yeah. like there's a different amount of sort of like in-your-face sort of confidence that you want to cast out to everybody. Right. You know, you can't act like you, you, you are God's gift to the industry when you're in your first year of training. You know, you might know a whole lot of stuff, but keep your mouth shut because there's somebody else who learned what you know times 20, you know, and has, has repeated that year after year after year. So – it might do you well to not speak so much and just listen and learn for the first like X amount of years of the, before you even start stating your opinions on things, you know? And, uh, it's, especially in, it's, especially when it comes to electronic stuff and social media and whatnot, like can easily bury you under a in a hole, like really, really deep if you, uh, if you let it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different story. Everyone yeah. that has a Facebook account thinks that their opinion is something that is going to really change the trajectory of the industry that they're in, you know, any industry, not just the fitness and health industry. And like you said, if you have people reaching out to you for your expertise, then it's okay to give your opinion. And then it's okay to really uh, go down the rabbit hole of either writing or speaking, whatever it may be, but you better have some mastery, not only on your own body, but probably thousands of people that have benefited from what you know at that point.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Well, we got a we got a cool email last year from Charles Staley. You dropped his name already. Yeah. But Charles is a guy that's been coaching for 35-plus years, somebody that's really been around and is still practicing what he preached. He was actually a guest on Strength Talk Podcast a couple of weeks ago. But nice. um, Charles still gives me these emails, and I'm like, damn, you know, like this dude wants to know what I – wants to know and hear what I know about. And it was really humbling because you know, I, I like to think that I'm, have a tiny little niche in this industry and I don't try to go wide with everything, writing about nutrition, writing about muscle physiology, everything in between, you know, like the physical therapy and staying healthy and actually training, like training's meant to be, that's kind of our niche. And when somebody like Charles reached out to us, uh, it was just mind blowing. And since then, you know, had a really good relationship, but you nailed it, you know, have, a good relationship and learn from the people that have been doing it not for two years but maybe two decades. yeah, then you can really broaden your scope and see what the test of time is with your own content or your own ideas.
1: That's it you know experience experience is what trumps everything. I always say that anecdote trumps everything when it comes to this industry. It might not be the same in many other industries. I can't comment on that, but when it comes to training stuff and um, dealing with people and human bodies that there's nothing that is. For sure, when it comes to uh, theory and and you know physiology and the way somebody's going to respond to this and type one muscle fibers versus type two and how to train them and the Krebs site all of this stuff is just it's theory based. You know, right. we have our educated opinions on it, and you know, scientists have run numerous amounts of tests on stuff. But there's nothing that can be determined for sure. And for that reason, the only way that you can like really Uh, fine-tune your opinion on what the subject is with regards to the human body is by practicing with it. You can't just do it from reading stuff, you know, and whether it's practicing with it by training yourself and understanding what the effects of programming and different schemes and different methods of training are on you, different exercises, whatever it is, and working with clients with it, of course, you know, so doing one without doing the other is already going to lead you to problems where you're only working on yourself and not working on your clients. That's already going to lead to problems doing the opposite and we're doing do the second thing and not the first thing, same thing, problems, Yeah. Yep. you know? Um, but it's, it's studying and not training. That's another thing. It's what most people are doing with a lot of people are doing these days, you know, they're oh, yeah. doing the studies and whatnot, but they're not lifting, you know, and the, the, that's where you get the internet trolls. That's literally what an internet troll is. <laughs> an internet troll is somebody who doesn't, train and they just study all the time and they know the deepest minutiae of everything when it comes to muscle physiology and the best rep scheme and the best tempo and the best thing to do to hit aye this aye. that and the other this muscle or whatever and you should be engaging this and that like and some of the troll posts that i get on like <laughs> some articles for Teen nation back when they had a discussion board and they didn't move their stuff to facebook it's just funny You know, because I'd love to see either their videos on this stuff or what they just (laughs) physically look like. Because they're probably like pencil neck pocket protected and little, I don't know.
0: (laughs) You know, it gets me too because. I never understand, like, say, like, you don't really truly have a passion for doing something physical in the gym or whether it be with your own wellness, whatever it may be. And why would you care as much as people do about ripping down people that are actually putting out material in the greater good just to help people out to be more healthy, to get aesthetics goals and just, like, elevate the industry as a whole? I never understood that. Like, if you're not practicing it, who gives a shit?
1: yeah exactly. And uh, you know that that brings way to like another area of conversation about just like the whether or not you're actually doing the industry any good and causing any benefit to the to the industry as a whole, right with are you just are you on the internet just to <laughs> just to just to tear down other trainers or are you on the internet to actually like make a difference? like how much you care about this industry and the people who are who are benefiting from it or who are not benefiting from it? You know that's the general public. You know, another thing about that is that, like, it sort of changes my viewpoint on who to reach out to and what the what the target focus should be for, you know, us as trainers or uh, the the group of us, uh, us as coaches and whatnot. We like to do workshops and stuff to make the industry better. So, you know, we give seminars to other people at gyms so that they can do their jobs better and whatnot. Well, you know, there's not a lot of people who are giving seminars to the general public you know, and that could be a good area or a good niche to, for, for people to, to tap into as well. Absolutely. You know, like I like the idea of giving, um, lunch and learn kind of things at people's offices where all the people who work there who are just general public people, you know, you have a client, let's say, who's a lawyer or whatever. And you, one day you step into the firm and you give a little talk for like half hour over their lunch break. And then, Hey, that means that you just influence a whole bunch of people who don't know anything about training as to what steps to take or what what to look for, even if they want to hire a good trainer of their own or something along those lines, you know.
0: But those, it's uh, but it's not sexy, Lee. That's why nobody does it.
1: Right, you know, and that's and that's <laughs> the the double-edged sword that this industry creates, right? And because yeah. there's so much fluffiness out there as well that their minds are already preconditioned to think that if it's not savvy and if it's not hot, then there's no point in listening to it.
0: It's like I say, it's the training utopia, you know, like people are all perfect. All their movement execution is perfect. Their programming is perfect. Their bodies are perfect and they need to know more perfect stuff so they can continue to be perfect when it, yeah. all that is is a bullshit idea. Yep. And a majority of the 99 percenters out there that aren't Olympic athletes, that aren't making a million dollars on the field on Sunday, you know the 99 percent need some content as well. And I think that's where you're getting after with more of uh, your general population articles that you're coming out with many of these different resources now. And yeah. I definitely hear you on that.
1: Yeah, man. Um, it's uh, it, It's really good to try and just debunk as many myths as possible when it comes to what the society thinks about themselves, number one, whether or not they think that there are certain things or certain actions that are promoting health, when really it's just tearing it down. Even when it comes down to, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, just from a psychological perspective, where your head should be at when it comes to the idea of training. What does it mean to you? You know, We have CrossFit right now. CrossFit is killing people's psychology when it comes to what training should be. Training is now a sport in all of these people's minds. Sport equals competition. Yep. Competition equals something to win, a conquest. It's not like This takes you further and further and further away from what this is supposed to do. Training is supposed to instill different um, uh, practice-based values and things that you do in the gym to, to ingrain proper movement patterns, know that this is something that you do over the long period of time, not a short, you know? And like, I can go on and on for days about what it is. So like in encouraging the wrong psychology, the wrong motivation, uh, that community aspect where, okay, now I have either the clock to beat, or my competitor to beat or whatnot. You know, where do I start? Do I start at this level or do I just go right into the workout of the day? You know, this coach here is telling me that I should be learning these lifts, but this coach here is telling me that I should be maybe scaling it back and learning on how to properly breathe, you know? (laughs) And it, it just creates a huge... Um, the disconnect amongst the members of the fitness community um, more so on the on the side of the uh, the people who are participating rather than the coaches, right I right. you know i'm sure that there's a lot of coaches out there who know what they 're talking about and they know what listen if you can ideally clean train a train and clean and a jerk and snatch and all that stuff, I would guess that you probably have a decent knowledge of basic fundamental movement patterns right so now it 's a matter of whether or not the client that you're working with is on board with learning things from the ground up, you know, is CrossFit or, or different workout systems like that with what I just said, is it something that is really across the board promoting that ground up thing or not? Well, I'll leave that for everybody who's listening to decide.
0: I agree, too. Uh, You know, we did a lot of work uh, up until the CrossFit Games on T Nation where I really reached out to some of my friends in the industry that had some big voices when it came to the sport of CrossFit, but also just gross movement that looked good and that was going to be able to be practiced for the longevity of somebody's life. And these articles were all focused around the word CrossFit. But you know, it could have been anything. It could have been Soul Cycle. It could have been, you know, Les Mills body pump. It could have been any of these classes. Mm. But I think what you're getting at is it has to be a practice of mastery. You have yeah. to lay a foundation of your movement, but also your concentration and your practice. Yeah. And You know, in our society up here in North America, everyone just wants stuff right now. They want results now. They want the best diet now. They want the best training program that's going to train them seven days a week now. And there's no patience to the process of mastery. And I think if people just backed up a second and just put building block after building block together on that foundation – that they'd be able to do things well into their 60s, 70s, 80s, and live a better life. And I think that at the end of the day, that's why people are training. That's why people are drawn to the physicality of training is they want to feel better when they're not in the gym. You know, everyone right. can get a high from a pump or a PR, but what happens when you go home after that for the other 23 hours, you know? Exactly. You know, if
1: you're just <laughs> if you're just beat up all the time or you're sore or whatever, <laughs> like, you know, that it starts going beyond, okay, well, that was a good, tough workout. And then it's just, okay, that's your new state of existence all the time. Like, okay, on Saturday afternoon, me and my boys want to go play football. Oh, can't play, man. You know, my knees are banged up from squats the other day. <laughs> you know, I, like, I'm just so sore. I'm destroyed, so I need to just rest. Well, then, dude, like, how much of a functional individual are you now? Like, you know, the whole thing about all of these, like, go balls to the wall, hard-ass training systems is that, oh, yeah, it's hardcore. This is what it is. Well, when you at the end of the day when you walk outside of the gym and you're decrepit and you're just like you're you're a waste of space then how much reach is there really with what you're doing? Not much. You know, and so what when when you take the sport of exercise, or when you take exercise you make it into a sport, well think about what retired sports athletes and other sports so real sports <laughs> look like when That's they're done, point. when they're fifty years old and whatnot. You know, these labored walking football players, they're just walking all broken Well, I mean, if you're going to beat yourself like that in the gym every day with all these intense workouts, then you really expect your body to be just like this big boundless vibrancy. Like, of course not. You're going to be, you're going to be just as beat up too. And, uh, what's worse is that you're routinely moving weights around to do it. So, you know, (laughs) there's a way for it to help you and there's a way for it to tear you down and hurt you. And, Unfortunately, some people are going that route with it, and uh, it's one of the biggest things that needs to be sort of like debunked and just deconstructed and taken back to the basics.
0: Yeah, I see the two end of outliers in our society. I see just the lethargic couch potato that doesn't want to do shit just because they're lazy. And then I see the other aspect where people are just going to go balls to the wall and crush their body until either they break down or they die. Right. And it's somewhere in between. I've seen a lot, you know, being a father myself to two young kids, I see a lot of the people that we associate with through school or activities where they're on either side of that spectrum. And I'd almost go out and say that the guys that are killing themselves in the gym are the ones that are suffering more because they, they can't even pick up their newborn, you know, yeah. without throwing out their <laughs> back. They can't even carry the baby stroller yeah. out of their backseat of the car without, you know, straining a peck after bench day. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like <laughs> it's know, crazy, I, man.
1: I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, the people who are doing just so much crazy work in the gym and it is like there's no balance anymore. You know, and you don't even realize that, well, it's <laughs> Like, I don't know, you can go into it from so many different angles. You look on Google or you look on Twitter or you look on my Facebook newsfeed because I have, you know, there's a couple thousand people who are following me just from training perspective because they know me as nothing else than the trainer, the guy who's into fitness stuff. And (laughs) so for that, that's why they're on my Facebook. And therefore, you're going to be privy to the information that they put out on their Facebook, which is just their – their motivational quotes about fitness or their, um, training videos or whatever it is, you know, and it just, it starts creating a mentality that this is life, you know, and that this is all there is to it, you know, right. pain is weakness, leaving the body and all <laughs> these different quotes that are just trying to say that your best is not good enough. And that, you know, it, inadequate is just or whatever like you know like anything less than max effort is inadequate you know and things like that and so when you if you were to really like apply all this or you start getting like getting uh influenced by such an influx of these kinds of quotes and all this stuff like that it's just it's only harmful you know and hearing that kind of motivation it's not balanced thinking you know and so um you know in the one side if you look at it in one side it's like it's like something that could be inspiring. Oh, well, this is telling me to work hard in the gym. Great. But like now this is somebody with I'm in my ninth year in, the, in the, the gym industry doing this sort of thing. So this is somebody with nine years under his belt saying, OK, well, I can see the good and the bad of this. So what about somebody with zero years? Right. You know, somebody who's just getting started or somebody who's, you know, a skinny kid who wants to get big for the first time and just all those different scenarios, those kind of people right? Like, or a brand new trainer who's just getting started. He wants to really influence clients the right way. Well, now all of a sudden you have a problem because these people don't have any experience when it comes to this stuff and their minds are fresh and impressionable when it comes to all of this stuff. So how are they going to respond and react to it? You know, how are they going to apply it? Maybe not the right way.
0: I don't know. It's the fizzle out effect too. You know, if you're going to start something new and you're just going to go from zero to a one second, it's just not sustainable. And a lot of the clientele that we see are either athletes or really active general population people that are kind of like the type A personality. And when they come in to see us, like they know they're coming in to get some really good physio, but also we're going to train them hard, hardcore stuff. But we're gonna do it in the right manner, and yeah. you know when we start people off on two or three day a week uh, frequencies, yeah, it's almost like they're offended. They're like, "Well, wait a second, you know, I want to be training seven days a week like you do." <laughs> and it's like, "Well, hold on a second, and, you know, your your shoulders shot, and you know, you got L four L five pathology. We need to chill out before we start doing max deadlifts here." Yeah. but um, yeah. the people that buy into that system of just laying down that foundation do far better. But I mean, you said it, you know, the news feed of some of the people that follow you that you end up seeing is crazy because uh you'll see uh, you know, the guy that just became a trainer like three months ago. Yep. And all of a sudden, like he's throwing up 50 quotes a day with all the memes and you know, sharing every one of your articles and everyone else that you know's articles, and it's yep. like yes, I'm finally the resource I got I got certified online three months ago. And it's like, yep. dude, there's a long way to go.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. You know, and uh again, it just it can create and promote the wrong mentality when it comes to all of this stuff, and uh, it just makes me a little bit fearful, right? And uh, we just need more voices of experience out there, in my opinion, uh, to, to help sort of set the right tone, set the proper tone to all this stuff.
0: And, bro, this is where it gets dangerous. The people that aren't necessarily the experts in our industry – but the ones with the biggest voice and the best marketing backgrounds are the ones that are making a huge effect on people, whether that be negative or positive. And I know yep. you have a lot to say about that.
1: Oh, I do. You know, it's like with the marketing stuff, like, okay, now we're not even getting, now we're not even the same industry anymore. I'm sorry, <laughs> but we're not, you know, I thought we were talking about fitness here, you know, and then all of a sudden you get somebody who's business savvy, who, you know, can maybe get other people to talk for them or whatever, or whatever it is, you know. And they're they're all of a sudden the the go tos when it comes to all sorts of information that they shouldn't be really handling, right? And um, I don't know, like it, it can it can really it can really commercialize the industry because you know somebody who's got a real PR reach, for example, or or some kind of a reach like that, and they have the resources available to them to get the the the, the uh, connections to. Big places and gigantic platforms well well is that not just washing away the actual content of what you're saying i'm i don't know too many people who have a gigantic reach in in the internet or whether it's in um, mainstream publications or whatever that haven't sort of sold themselves out you know even right. compromised their beliefs in some way and i'm not just talking about like you know like a major magazine i'm talking about like let's say, big international television shows, for example, The Biggest Loser, whatever it is, you know, like all those kinds of things, you know, where we have the the most gigantic platforms available to us to spread our message. And unfortunately, every single person who is on the biggest platform in each designation, in each each uh, jurisdiction, they're all saying fluff. They're all saying fluff. And, you know, I sort of... I used At first, I used to think that, hey... All these people don't know anything. And, you know, all these people who are the Tracy Anderson method and this and that, the Jillian Michaels, this and that, like all those people, they don't know anything. And you know what? I kind of don't think that anymore. I think that they do know a whole lot of stuff. I'm I'm sure that they went to school for this or something too. And they compromised their beliefs in order to, for the sake of the dollar or for the sake of getting on this stage or for the sake of staying in touch with what's hot and what's trending and whatever. And you know they, they they brought them their their own levels of expertise down so that it is sort of um, matched what the masses would like to hear.
0: But that makes yeah. sense, though, right? I mean, you look at you know in United States politics. We have the Donald Trump effect right now, just giving the people what they want to hear. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how you get popular. Exactly. It doesn't matter if you're educated, non-educated, whatever passionate about your subject. As long as you give people sound bites that they want to hear, whether you're in fitness or politics, that's going to get you a long way and that's that's scary because our society responds so favorably to that.
1: Yeah, it does. And uh, you know, I'll be the first person to say it, like it's not about how many degrees or how much how much uh, uh, theoretical knowledge you've taken in from a classroom setting or whatnot. You know, it's long, it's just a matter of you staying in your lane, regardless of you nice. know. Like look at look at people like um, uh, Matt Croc, for example, or or guys like Jim Wendler and folks like that. You know, these guys are disciples of the craft that they have decided to take on as a sport as a, as a competition their power lifter or bodybuilder or whatever it is well hey then talk about that sort of thing from your experience and from your anecdote which is what these folks are doing right you know and that is that is the big differentiating factor between these people and you know an arm seat trainer who's read about it but never tried anything you know and so on and uh you know it, it's uh it's a very very important thing because when somebody applies things the, pri- the proper way and does what what I said earlier then they are going to they're going to have more of an effect even if it's to a smaller number of people right and if there's a combination of that many small voices out there then it can change the overall thinking of this industry just piece by piece right and uh that can that can really be a, a good positive thing for us
0: and it's the analogy of digging an inch deep and a mile wide, or do you want to dig an inch wide and a mile deep? Right. And right. definitely getting deeper, deeper into your expertise is the key because you can't be an expert in everything. You know, there aren't many people out there. I can think of, think of like one or two people that really know a lot about a lot of shit, Yeah. especially in our industry, but everyone else. Like, how about you try to master one thing and do that for like a decade or two? Yeah. And then when you feel comfortable about that, maybe diversify like one inch over in your hole.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, if you had a million people doing just that, it would be, perfect you know like then then there wouldn't be people who are thinking that i was at a wedding yesterday and you know people saying okay so yeah i'm gonna i gotta start uh, working out you're a trainer right you're a trainer (laughs) yeah yeah you are so uh, i'm gonna start working out so um like how much cardio i want (laughs) to drop drop body fat like crazy so like i'm going for an hour run every day well no like that's not where you really want to (laughs) start like let me tell you like the right way to do this but you know if it was common knowledge that hey cardio isn't equal to fat loss and weight training isn't equal to muscle size and bulk you know and just like the simple things that need to be de- debunked like that right then we would get further along you know if our if if the general public's starting point in terms of knowledge was even one or two notches higher than what it is and instead of, uh, you know, all these popcorn trainers who are instilling the, the the wrong things to people for the sake of making money and for the sake of creating a new silly product out there <laughs> like the, the shake weights or whatever else, the Abtronic or the Ab Rocker or whatever, you know, like <laughs> for the sake of doing those things, you know, if the education level could go up by even one notch so that the baseline, the starting point where we would have to come in as people to teach these clients – Was one notch higher than you know how much of a difference it would make in this industry in terms of, uh, you know, just where where people end up, where people start off and so on. It would be, it would be amazing.
0: It it would. And we see it as coaches, uh, between you and myself, where you have those early responders that you get in, that you start coaching with and they buy into your system because they are that notch or two up on their, uh, intellectual level in our industry. And then you have it on the opposite end where you could have somebody having the best programming of all time. Their execution's decent, but just the buy-in factor is not there. Mm. And, You know, you might do well for them for a month or two, but it's not going to be that permanent uh, change, that sustainable change where you can really teach them to be self-sufficient at the end of the day. But, you know, in the trenches themselves, I think that's important. Even if you're writing, you're speaking, you need to be practicing what you're coaching online or whether it be in person, anything. You actually need to be coaching people no matter who you are whether yeah. you're 30 years old or 60 years old. And I mean, the coaches that we we're talking about that really earn their keeps in this industry, I know for a fact that they're coaching people multiple days a week still. Yeah. I mean, you're you're coaching how many hours a week now?
1: Right now, my writing time and my coaching time is almost split down the middle. And so I think that on my busiest weeks, I'll have about 25 sessions that I do. So uh, it's, and then you add another like 25 hours worth of writing every week. So that's about... <laughs> That's about uh, covering. Yeah, that that probably covers the entire week for me. If I have like four, four to five sessions a day, and that's that's more than enough for me right now. That's just creates a proper balance for me. Absolutely. Um, you know, I have control of my own schedule, which is great as well. So I can, you know, whether it's, uh, backload the week or front load the week or whatever. So that it sort of, um, harmonizes with my writing schedule. And I write from home, of course it's, it's, it's pretty good. But, um, yeah, no, to, to, to your point though, it it definitely matters to be able to practice what you're preaching. And, uh, like, I don't think that I could ever become an exclusively online coach or whatever. i barely even have online training clients because I don't promote the thing. I prefer the one on ones, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a big misconception from fit pros that actually don't know about, uh, you know, the public sector is they think, you know, as soon as you get that first article up on T nation, it's like, all right, fuck my in-person clients. I'm going (laughs) online, baby.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, you might even be okay. So you might somehow find it to be more lucrative. I personally, I, I, prefer doing it online in person, but, uh, you might somehow find it to be more lucrative and whatnot because of the volume that you could attack at the same time by doing it all online, you know, and having, you know, like simultaneously like 20 online clients or 50 online clients that you're working with and their programming and whatnot. But if you're not practicing anything, like it's just the, the, the quality of what you're putting out is just, it's lowering and lowering and lowering. And, you know, you'll realize that, all of a sudden, you don't have the time to train yourself anymore either. And it's right. just that it can cascade into a whole bunch of problems for you. And on top of it, it just doesn't sharpen your skills. You know, it's like somebody who's saying that I want to be a track athlete and I'm going to train as a track athlete. And so I'm going to get out and I'm going to do my plyometric drills. And then on day two, it's weights. And then on day three, I'm back to plyometrics and ballistics this time. And then day four, it's weights for the for dynamic movements. And then on day five, I'm doing, you know, um, just training eccentric, right? like whatever, you know, and all of a sudden you forget to actually go and run sprints <laughs> <laughs> and you're not doing the actual thing that you're training for, you know, and to, to be working with clients and stuff like that, where you train them online and you're training them online and you're and you're writing programs, and you're doing all this stuff, but you don't get to see them do it, and you don't physically be there to practice your coaching ability, you know, or you don't get to physically train yourself. Well, hey, you know, I just think that you're selling yourself short, and by Absolutely. byproducts, you're selling those people short too.
0: It, that's a that's a big thing that we do. Uh, we manage clients online. Obviously, in person as well, run a physical therapy practice, doing the podcast. But there's always time for everything if you schedule yourself correctly, and everything can synergize together too. So, coaching in person can get you really good on the things that you need to look out for. And when you're challenged with something like an online coaching program, You know, people don't realize that more time, I think, actually goes into my programming on my online training clients than it does in my in person. You know, between the exchanges, between the video analysis, all of that stuff. And, um, you know, working with different people in different ways, I think it makes you better as a coach and relaying the information that you want to make an impact on with your clientele if you can do it and stay sane, you know, working an 80 hour week.
1: Right, right. Uh, It keeps you on your toes, man. It's uh, different challenges, different ways of uh, having to explain the same thing. You know, you have the challenge of not being able to physically be there to instruct somebody with cues. So you have to use your words more effectively. You know, you have to to find the the best analogies or the best little uses of imagery to get them to do what you want them to do. You know, somebody who doesn't have the greatest kinesthetic awareness is going to have a major problem learning a multi-joint pattern simply just from your cues from a distance, right? So, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a good, it's a good thing to be able to have that. the two sides of it, you know, never just one side. Um, if you do have one side, then train people in person.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, exactly.
1: <laughs> but, uh, it, it never, never be one sided with just, uh, with just online training. You know, you got a 20 year old person who comes to me and they say, yeah, you know, I like what you've been doing, blah, blah. You know, my, 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 my my overall goal, I want to move into completely being an online trainer that I can work from wherever I want. Well, yeah, that's a great goal to have because it's going to create your freedom or whatever if you want to perceive it that way. But at the same time, what will it do for you as a coach? You know, like, do do you really think that, I don't know, do you really think that it's going to give you the respect in the industry that you might feel you deserve? I don't know. (laughs) From the right people? I don't know.
0: (laughs) And I think like guys like you and myself, if we were coaching people for free, Or coaching people for a million dollars a year. We'd still be doing the exact same thing in the exact same way. You know, it's just what we are. We're coaches, and that's our vocation. So, you know, we could shut down all our coaching clients all over the internet and in person, but I would probably be still in that gym trying to help people out, trying to fix their fix their movement capacity, things along those lines, just because that's what i love to do. And I think if you can mix and match the resources that you use to get what you love to do out there, that's really the key. Yeah. Um,
1: hundred percent agree with that. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a passion project for most of the people who are true to the game. Exactly. And, um, it's, it's something that that's why I kind of have the resolve to not sell out in any sort of way or compromise my ideas. You know, when it came to like, television stuff and whatnot that I've done you know I've turned down a whole lot more well I shouldn't say more than but I've turned down a good chunk of possible TV appearances or opportunities to even do certain shows and whatnot that would have compromised what I think about the fitness thing and when, and how, how I would go about training it and, you know, what should be emphasized and whatnot. You know, I'm not going to talk about, um, different, different methods of steady state cardio that are the most, the most effective fat burning method. Like, well, no, (laughs) because I don't believe that. I'm not going to say that, you know, doing this with, light weights is going to be the key to building your strength because, well, guess what? You're not going to build strength by moving against very minimal resistances. You just won't, you know, and these are the kinds of thinking that many people, or to talk about things that will help shape and tone muscles (laughs) and change the way that they're composed. Well, no, it's totally wrong and I don't believe it and so I'm not going to say it just for the sake of having my face on that screen or whatever. And, you know, it just came to light as to, that explains why these fluffy people are at the top of the game and these people who are sort of behind the scenes who are writing the books that those people learn from in the first place, <laughs> ha- they don't even have a name out there. Well, a very limited one anyway, right, where you have your cult following of people but You know, if you knocked on your next door neighbor's door and said, Do you know who Dan John or Nick Tuminello are? They'd say, Who? Maybe Dan
0: John, maybe Dan John, you know, he's been at it a while, so.
1: (laughs) I would hope that everybody knows who both of those people are, just for the record, you know, but, uh, unfortunately, I just think that like when you compare that to, okay, do you know who Billy Blanks is or Tony Little or Jillian Michaels or Tracy Anderson? Oh yeah, you mean that little blonde one who's like, uh, he's doing all those dancing with the dumbbells, right? You know, they'll have something to say.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, It's crazy. I'll break down a story here. So, we have a six-year-old daughter, and she always does what we do, so my wife and I. So she sees us go to the gym every single day. She comes with us, and yeah. she like, watches us work out from her little kids' club thing. So she knows we're in there you know, cranking hard. But in the last like year and a half, she's become more and more interested in fitness. And I was like, why the hell? And it turns out that she's been watching extreme weight loss every week. Okay. So she sees all these people just going balls to the wall on TV and that's what she thinks fitness is now and that's coming from a household where my wife and I were both coaches both trainers you know very well educated in what we do and we set a very good example but that just goes to show how captivating this shit can be
1: yeah For sure. You know, it's like, uh, it's like cocaine when somebody, (laughs) when somebody gets their first hit of it, if especially if they've never been exposed to fitness stuff in the first place, you know, and you know, of course the bodies are always going to be scantily clad and your men are somehow going to be always working out shirtless, which I don't understand because that's not comfortable, you know, and, uh, the women are just in their brawn gitch or whatever, and they're doing their sets. Well, of course that's going to, uh, captivate their eyes and captivate, oh, well, she's got six pack and he's got a six pack and he's got pecs and blah blah, blah. So I want to look like that. They're doing this. So like that, and they use this product and this is the way, and they're on TV too. So there must be a big deal. Exactly. Well, hey, you know, and, uh, immediately somebody gets hooked on that whole cosmetic aesthetic, that, that fluffy side of it. And I keep using the term fluffy because that's what it is, yeah. you know, yeah. and then there's never going to be, uh, an infomercial about, Hey, you know, you know, the best way for you to see results start lifting weights. (laughs) You're not going to see an infomercial like that. Get off your
0: ass and start building a foundation. That's it. (laughs) Now, I'm going to leave you with one question here. Yeah. That might be a little bit difficult, but I want to hear what you have to say about it because you have definitely a lot of insight. So between your first article that you wrote and your last article that you wrote, so your most recent yeah. How have you changed as a coach, as a communicator, as somebody that's just getting ideas out there for the greater good?
1: So, I think that just in terms of my writing style for the first part, um, my my well, I write for different places that have very different voices attached right, to them, right? right? So, um my very first article that I ever wrote was for T Nation, surprisingly. But uh, it was for <laughs> T Nation. Yeah, uh, it it's wasn't good for place like to a start. blog no, it's a, it's a great start is, uh, the fact that I was able to get into a publication like that and at the get go was like, right. I couldn't believe it now that I look back. Um, so you know, that, that required a lot of more scientific sort of kinesiology ish type of stuff that, uh, had more, more depth to it. Right. And, um, you know, that it, I don't know what the best way to put this is, but like Sometimes when you're young or younger and you're fresh to the industry and whatnot, you feel like you have to prove yourself a little bit more. And a lot of that should be natural because, hey, you know, you you you're the real deal too. But at the same time, it could sort of um, it can blur the message that you're trying to send, right? right? So if you try so hard to flex your physiology and anatomy guns all the time. And and flex your 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 training methodology and theory guns all the time, you know. Then the message gets lost because you're using all this jargon and science-based terms and and so on. And no one can benefit from your article anymore because they're left being like, what? Oh, okay. So he's <laughs> saying he's smart, right? I guess that's it. You know. Um, but <clears throat> if you if if I was to compare my recent stuff now to then, um, it would be that there's much less of that like. It, trying to be in your face with these terminology and whatnot right. you know i sound like a troll back then let's put it <laughs> that way i sound like a troll back then and now, now you're trolling I, yourself i like yeah it. i know it. Eh? and uh but now i sound uh like it's a little bit more tailored to the audience that i'm supposed to be reaching out to you know and um you know and that comes with a,
0: experience right yeah
1: and again like just it's a testimony to experience and having some of it under my belt now compared to then and being able to to auto-regulate things so that I, I can have a good message that gets heard no matter who I'm speaking to. And, uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, with my blog, I would always try to reach for humor in a non-natural way, in an unnatural way. And, um, now like it's still there for sure, but it's a lot more cut and dry, just what I'm thinking at the time. And that's it, you know? And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just something that comes through repetitions of doing the thing. That's it. Just, Get put your head down, grind for a few years and do the damn thing and don't talk to anybody about it. Like just just do the thing and you're going to realize that you just get better at doing it, you know, and it's it's uh, just learn from the best people in the game. Learn from the people who've been in the game for years and years. And there's there's only good that can come of that.
0: And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that you're not doing that upper trap stretch anymore with the dumbbell in the one hand and your hand on the head, right? No, nope, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> no,
1: there's a lot of stuff that I actually changed my mind. on. I even wrote articles on my new takes on a lot of different things. Yeah. One, one called a new take on five things that I wrote for Teen Nation back in like 2012 or so. Um, and yeah, no, like, uh. I think it's part of the maturation process to be able to look back on some of the stuff you did believe, realize that this is an industry that is... uh, it, it, there's nothing that is definite or for sure. And so uh, it's going to warrant you changing your opinion on certain things, especially as research comes out and whatnot. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think I've seen the same thing even with my writing over the last three years is that some things that I was writing about in the past, you know, I was really trying to support that doctorate, you know, trying to throw out these terminologies. And it was more similar to a textbook than it was something that was captivating that somebody could take action on right away. And that's definitely where I've seen, um, you know, at least my own writing, you know, transpire and getting into something that can just be totally actionable, trying to add like videos in so people can go play with the stuff that I'm speaking to, uh, even just trying to write more simplified versions of complex problems. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's always a process and, you know, it comes out definitely when you write for the print magazines, you know, you write an article about six months beforehand and, Sometimes you know, I've had right now, I wrote an article a couple months ago for, it should be coming out right when this podcast is for men's fitness. And I'm like, well, damn, you know, I've actually kind of used one of these uh, methods that I say, stay away from, but mm. you know, it's that cyclical thing, uh, yeah. always trying to learn. But when you think you have something that you believe deeply in, you better just be retesting it, especially when more and more, uh, anecdotal study and better people are doing, uh, what you thought would might not have been right. So, yeah. All right, man. Well, you definitely kept it uncut in this podcast. I appreciate that. And that's what we're giving the audience over here at Strength Doc Podcast. That's definitely the same feel that I get in your writing. And that's why I'm personally a fan of Lee Boyce and everything that he's coming out with. So we're going to link all his stuff up on the show notes here. But Lee, just let me know where, or let the audience know, I should say, where they can find more from you. Uh, well, of course, you know, add me on
1: Facebook. I've got a pretty open profile where you're going to find a bunch of um, training updates and videos of myself training or, you know, diff- different people that I train with and whatnot. So there's a good little network there. And um, follow me on Twitter at Coach Lee Boyce. There's that Twitter handle as well. And uh, I'm constantly, constantly, constantly coming up with some good tweets that always have to do with training. And if it's not that, then it's a cool movie review on something that I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, lastly, good. my yeah, and the um, last of my website is uh, com. So on that blog, I usually talk about Things that are more uh, sociocultural impacts of things of the psychology of training, for example, and uh, just different different things that I, I see around me. Not so much direct training content, though all of my published articles are archived in that uh, website as well in the articles section. So uh, it's a good blog for a little change of pace fitness-wise. And um, yeah, that's basically it. Facebook, Twitter, and my website are uh, my three main places that you're going to find content on an ongoing
0: basis. Awesome, man! I appreciate you kicking it with us for a little while.
1: Hundred percent, man! I uh, had a definitely a good time. A nice little uh, different style than a lot of the podcasts or shows and stuff that I've done.
0: That's how we like to keep it, you know—behind the scenes conversations with strength coaches, doctors, whoever it may be here on the Strength Doc podcast. I hear you. Thanks, Lee. let me know. Let me know the next time you want
1: to uh, you want to do this because I'm I'm down.
0: Big thanks to Lee for coming on the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media today. To get at Lee, hit him up on his social media that he just dropped and also his website, LeeBoiceTraining.com. Until next episode, I'm Dr. John Russin with the Strength Doc Podcast hosted by UpDoc Media.